Welcome to Paul Mort Talk Shit. Curious fellow, but I like him. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. He's a shady character. What's his name? Hey, what is up? Welcome to the latest episode of Paul Mort Talks Shit. Now, this episode is actually with a good friend of mine, Mr. James Smith. James is someone, if you don't already follow him, is having a ton of success right now with his straight talking advice on fitness, on life, on nutrition, on exercise, and just everything in general. Um, we had a blast on this. It's my first one that's kind of via Zoom because James is over in Australia, but I couldn't wait um, to get him on the podcast and just share his insights on life with you guys. And like I say, we have a laugh on this one and we share a ton of cool shit. Don't forget, head all over my website, paulmort.uk, where you'll be able to subscribe to my world-famous daily emails, grab a copy of my book, etc. etc. And this episode of the podcast is sponsored by my good friends, Macro Meals, who have an amazing pre-made ready meal um, business where they basically send you your food and it's all calorie controlled, high in protein and has been essential in me um, dropping six kilos in like six weeks without any hassle at all. So go and check out the guys um, at macromeals.co.uk. Cheers. Mr. James motherfucking Smith. Mate, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm uh, honoured to be on the podcast. Do you know the worst part about this is your sound is much better than mine, which is kind of embarrassing as a podcast host. Yeah, I I appreciate that. But, you know, some of us take this stuff seriously, Paul. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Well, dude, here is me, Mike. It's obviously the the, the viewers will be able to see it, but the listeners won't. And that mic literally snapped in half as soon as I was about to go live. And I've only got a quiet voice. So I'm not sure how how we're going to manage. When we um when you're on my podcast, you remember how many of your sayings that I've recited? I'm gonna give you one of yours from about five years ago, which is better to have the right message on the wrong camera than the wrong message on the right camera. And that's a good job. Uh, although me, me and them, um, Mr. Darren Cartel, no, you guys are always on my case about my videos being shit quality and doing them on my phone. And I was like, fuck off, it doesn't matter. And then I shot a video in Darren's kitchen, and he edited it. It fucking blew up. So I had to eat that pie, not the hairy kind. <laughs> but a humble kind yeah so Mate, it's um it's totally it, it, it goes both ways and i think that definitely polishing up your content is uh good especially in a world where i feel a lot of people do neglect their audio and they think that people watching their instagram stuff is not important but it is because you're you're presenting yourself as a brand yeah. Yeah, which is, is important and but I, then, think I think that you'll get to a certain level without doing that but then if you want yeah. to surpass that i think you've got to like everything else, what what got you here won't get you there, right? And uh, some people have the most polished fucking videos, but there's no call to action. There's actually, it's just, it's a brochure video, and yeah. people are like, okay, now what? Boring. I think, I think, I think the age of um, just information is like almost dying out, and people because people want to be fucking entertained, mate. hundred percent. And you probably say this all the time on podcast interviews. Yeah, and, and you think that if you if you live in a world where you've got a head up your ass and you don't think people want entertaining, yeah. look at TikTok and how it's just blindsided us. No, thank you. <laughs> it's, but what, I'm not saying it's a good tool for business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that look, it's... The attention span's insane. 
Within yeah, a minute, my daughter has watched like fucking six videos. And it's it's not to say to people, look, TikTok's great for social media. I, I don't think that. And the time invested, we could shit on it all day. Yeah. But looking at human beings, we're all monkeys in an experiment and no one really knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, social media is something that we still can't draw conclusions from, whether it's good or bad. No. And you look at all these people, they need to be entertained. And when you go on TikTok, you're not going there for enlightenment, empowerment. Mm. You're just going there for a six second hit of dopamine. Yeah. So if people think that you can be boring on socials, no. Do you know, I think that, I think that, I was thinking about this with my daughter, I think people go on TikTok for ideas for their own TikTok. Like, I think, that's all, do you know what I mean? Nobody's mm. going on to enlighten people, nobody's really going on to educate, people are just kind of sharing an idea and a dance, and then somebody else is going on to think, what can I do now? So yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, and they, they, call, they call it trends, and they're trying to jump on uh, other people's waves, and it's like being out in the ocean and seeing someone catch a wave, and you being a bit further down and going, oh, I'm going to ride that in as well. Yeah. But, the only thing about that is it is very much value-based. And again, your teachings help me with this about what the fuck good use is likes and follows and engagement if you're not making money from it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get 5 million views on a video. Mm-hmm. And what? Yeah. You know, what did, what did you do? Did that take your friends to a trip somewhere? Did you get to do this, do that? No, you just got a load of views around the world and yeah. people will forget about you as, as quick as they watch the video. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? And we were just talking about our next, our, our next podcast guest. And I think the thing is, that podcast will A, help a load of people. B, I'm going to guarantee it's entertaining as fuck. I had actually sent the questions over in advance. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and he said yes to all of them, which is, and some of them are quite um, close to the fucking board. But yeah. Anyway, know, I, I'm not, not going to give away who you've got, but I was massively surprised when I listened uh, to some of his stuff. Yeah. I never thought I would hear such a meaningful conversation. And yeah. I'm buzzing. I will, I will listen to that. And that's saying something. Cause usually <laughs> I only care. I only care about my own stuff. Dude, I'm the same. Do you know when you get asked in the comments, what podcast you listen to? I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like, who, who's, who inspires you? And I'm like, oh. yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And it sounds kind of big headed, but I'm like, I think you're either a creator or a consumer. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's a balance between the two, but I'm like, if you're trying to build something, at least 80% of your time has to be spent creating shit. And also the people you look up to in the, in the early onset, you eventually surpass them and realize they weren't actually doing such a great job. And yeah. it, it sounds really big headed to say it, but I'm in yeah. a position now where I've got no one to look up to. And I like, yeah. I like this white space. I like yeah. being there on my own yeah. because I, I actually feel that looking at other people's content in a bid to grow myself would actually slow me down. Mm-hmm. I think often you end up, we can be guilty of, and I'm like this with any books that I read, you kind of just, wherever your headspace is at, that's where your content comes from. So whatever you're reading or watching, a lot of your content, a lot of the shit that you're saying is going to come from there, which I don't think is necessarily a really bad thing, but you're then going to struggle to have like an original, something to say that's original. I mean, dude, we're kind of lucky. We can just add fuck to any sentence and it's ours, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can add the word cunt. Yeah, mate. And do you know what? I, I, I was saying this to someone today. Uh, she was a bit startled. She goes, oh, you used the word cunt. And I was like, well, the thing is, by saying that, straight away I can deter the people that I don't want to work with. Yeah. And people don't realize that swearing to me is, is a filter. And I like people that swear. And I actually hate people who don't like swearing because they're proactively seeking 
to be to be in a in a worse headspace. They are, and I've always said you can't say the word country. You can't say the word country without saying the word cunt. Yeah. And when I say, oh, which country you're from? Someone's like, did you just say? They're choosing what words to offend themselves. And then blaming everybody else for the way that they feel and expecting the other person to deal with it. Yeah, and it, and that is that's the direction in the world's going that I don't want anything to do with. And you know, could I have more followers and more money uh, if I didn't say the word cunt? Potentially, yes. But actually. On the flip side, I think potentially, no, the amount of people I met and they go, I heard you call someone a cunt and I knew that we'd get on. Do you see Donald Trump got, a, there's a, a program in America where they get ripped. I think it's called the, the Roast, Celebrity Roast. Oh, dude, it's so good. And, so uh, good, Celebrity Roast, yeah. And Donald Trump at the end of it, and he goes, uh, he says something along the lines of, do you know what the difference between you lot and I is? And everyone's like, what? And he's like, about seven billion fucking dollars. And then walks <laughs> off. Dude, I see one with Justin Bieber once and it was amazing. They were calling right. like Ellen DeGeneres and shit. It was fucking incredible. Yeah. It's, that's, that, and we can't do any of that stuff. That The kind of the world of offending people is here. And uh, suddenly, you know, I watched, you watch films from five years ago. You're like, oh, I can't believe they said that. Bro, they said this about the in-betweeners recently. They were going to ban the in-betweeners. The in-betweeners were one of the funniest shows I've ever fucking seen. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. And do you know what? When my son's a teenager, I'll actually be like, dude, watch this. You're going to learn so many life lessons from this. Particularly how not to handle women. <laughs> Simon. Simon. <laughs> Dude, amazing. What a fucking guy. Yeah. Dude, listen. So let's talk about this offending thing. Because as you are talking, I'm thinking, are you going to cover this? Is this covered in the new book? Because this is the kind of thing that you're going to put in. Yeah, 100%. And I, when you talk to people about being offended, it's an awakening moment where you need to drill in someone. It's a choice, as is every emotion. Now, some of these emotions are normal like being you know pissed off and, and another emotion that people suppress a lot is anger yeah. and we live in a world where you're not even allowed to be angry and i'm yeah. i want to draw people to realize that we're just organized apes mm -hmm. we are and we all fiddle with our genitals behind closed doors and yeah. we all pretend we don't well dude and, I, have to, I have to beat every two weeks i mean i'm not as heavy right. as Siren, but i i swear to god in another life i was a fucking skunk ape or a silverback <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably could have a big chat with Darren about what Veet use. But I'm, yeah, a, I'm a strong believer that I'll get Mother Teresa and there's a certain amount of times I'll flick her in the forehead before she'd punch me and call me a cunt. Oh, dude, and and yeah. we need to, to realise that. And we live in a world where professional and even... We're in these hierarchies at work where you can't call your manager a cunt when he's being a cunt. Mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, we have financial barriers. We have all of these things, but these are normal emotions and being offended is anger right anger I, I i'm a huge believer in i think all anger comes from unmet expectations whether it's your own expectations of somebody else your own expectations of yourself your own expectation of a situation but sometimes anger is the emotion that's changed people's lives the most either in a good way or a bad way because i know that most of the radical changes that i've made in my life have um have came from being pissed off with myself pissed off my situation thank you sir Dude, if you've ever wanted to sign up in England, there it is. Greg's. <laughs> Greg's. Greg's is open. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, the, what I'm grateful about Greg's is that the chicken bake is now not as hot as it used to be back in the day. Oh, really? uh, rewind 10 years and the chicken bake was what, you know, when you buy a, a meat pie from a petrol station, that's yes. hot as fuck. Oh, yeah. You can already, you can already feel the blister on your mouth before you've eaten it. Yeah. Um, but Greg's, they, they don't sell them as hot, which I reckon is probably a health and safety thing now. Similar to the offended thing, now everything that's hot you've got to warn people about it it's embarrassing you know they're all of these things now people are just worried about oh no what if we do this what if we do that or oh, what if someone burns himself in a coffee mm -hmm. like we we've become so far removed from uh 
just being good people and, and i used the analogy the other day that choosing to be offended or choosing to read someone's comments on social media and taking them as true is a choice and it's like picking up a rock and, and carrying the weight yeah. you don't have to pick you know, it up do you know i think that a lot of people it's because they lack any other kind of purpose in their life mark manson author of subtle art of giving a fuck i think it's because the, the, the people that are offended by everything, the people that get stressed about the smallest things and sweat the small stuff like that, they have no other, they have no other things to give a fuck about. So they give a fuck about small, menial things because they're not, essentially, I think they just don't have a mission. So I'm like, I don't notice things like this because I'm fucking committed to my mission, whatever that is at the time. And I'm pushing myself and I'm like, it's almost like, I, it's almost like sometimes I got blinkers on that I'm like, I wouldn't have time to be offended by that. I'm too busy working on my shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's uh, I had a, probably my most substantial lawsuit this year. And it yeah. was how I perceive that lawsuit is my choice. And at first, obviously, my initial thought in my mind was, James, you're, you're obviously doing something wrong because you're being sued. Someone's trying to serve you. Mm -hmm. But then uh, I had someone close to me say, it's a speeding ticket. You've been going too fast. And if you're not going too fast, you're not going to get speeding tickets. Mm -hmm. If you think you can drive this fast on the road and not get penalized for it, yeah. you're a fucking idiot. And if I get another lawsuit, it just goes to credit how fast I'm moving. And how I perceive that lawsuit is a choice. Sounds like BAT. Sounds like when people are like, oh, I'm almost at the VAT threshold. I'm going to stay under. I paid too yeah. much tax. But really, bro? Like, I'm like, oh. listen, I'm going to get taxed. And my fucking huge tax bill is a sign that I'm doing all right. 100 if you're not paying 50 percent on everything you own you're not you're not working you're not you're not earning enough and, you know, and when now now when i this is something that takes a bit of maturity in the onset i used to when i was a pt i'd brag about how much tax i was saving and a very wealthy client of mine laughed he goes james unless you're paying 50 percent, you're not making he goes you think you're making money you're not he goes because you can't make this kind of money with cash he goes you can't and um now whenever i see i got offered 20 grand for a grid post recently. And I just thought, what am I going to do with 10 grand? Because that's the way I see it now. If I see 20, I think 10. Dude, because do, you know how, do you know how I know you're, good? you're, you're an Instagram king? You call it the grid. <laughs> I did. The grid post. I was, I was, my brain was like, what the fuck's a grid? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, it's a grid post. I'm thinking, have I missed something? <laughs> hey, the, offers, the offers are fucking ridiculous. Like I, I did an email recently about someone trying to offer me a Theragun. And they were like, can we send you one? I was like, this would be fucking awesome. I'll use it on my balls. I'll be like, fiddle around with it, tag them in the story a couple of times, get my housemates to use it, have a bit of a laugh with it because then my, my followers can enjoy it. And you know what? If they go, I want that, they can buy it. Dude, can I, I tell you some... guys I'm sorry? Go I've just bought 200 Theraguns. I've just... Did you? We've just bought a painted and model. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we went all in on it, yeah. But the thing is, until I can see someone using it or giving feedback on it, I actually think it is an influencer item because unless I see unless I unless I see someone using it that I know uh that can back it up if someone goes that's great I'll buy it yeah. but when I see it I'm not inclined I'm just seeing this happening and yeah. they sent me a contract and they go we want a grid post two story posts and then we will let you have this $700 Theragun for free I was like well it's not free for a start it's a grid post and two story posts and I was like $700 I can't even get two bags of coke for that you know, <laughs> you can, but Dude, just shit. so you know, 700 fucking dollars to having people's eyeballs out with that kind of price, by the way. Mate, it, it's ridiculous. And yeah. I, I, I said know to how him, much was... it costs from manufacturing. Like, obviously, I know that because we've just, we've literally just bought 200. 700 dollars to having people's fucking balls. 
and trying to get the posts out of it as well. And if you back your fucking product, send it to me because that'll be a $700 cost, which it won't be because you're fucking at cost. Yeah. It's probably costing 10% of that to have me fucking fiddle, like vibrate my, my housemate's ball sack with it. You're going to sell more than what that would cost. And the short sightedness of Dude, some of these, these companies get it on your fucking forearms. Oh bro. After jits, get it on in here on your thumbs and on your forearms, dude. You're going to love it. So see anybody else tries to send you, tell me you need a dick. All right, yeah, we'll do. Dude, let's go back to the, let's go back to the book because uh, that's what I want to ask you about right at the start, but we'll, we'll ramble on a little bit. So the new book is called um, Not a Life Coach? Yeah, so... The, by the way, I feel really bad that I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> no, nah, don't, don't worry about it. Basically, like, uh, with the first book, we came up with it, the idea for the title when we're pissed. We're actually uh, sat at Boozy Meals with my strategy director, my editor, and Luke. And uh, they were like, what are we going to call this thing? Because it's not a diet book. And I was pissed. I was like, let's call it that. Yeah, dude. And uh, it, it was nuanced. It was kind of cool because it wasn't a diet book. And, and all the people that I've met since, no one was there going, fucking hell, James. That, that explanation of calorie deficit was unreal. You know, no one cared. Uh, macronutrients, if it fits your macros, no one cared. People came up to me and they go, I broke up with an eight-year partner because of you. I was like, fuck, I'm sorry. They're like, don't be sorry. What you wrote in that book helped me walk away from something that I should have walked away from. Yeah. So. When I was positioned for the second book, they actually asked me, James, we do a second book. I said, yeah. They go, what do you want to do it on? I said, I want to talk about anxiety. I want to talk about insecurities. I want to talk about mindset. I want to talk about growth. And I also want to talk about the not so glamorous side of success. And they were like, okay. And they were like, so a self-help book. I was like, I don't, I don't want it to be a self-help book because then people have to accept the fact they need help. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to reject that. And then suddenly you can't gift a self-help book because it's someone else saying to you, you need help, which people don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. So I came up with the title. Guys, listen to this. I'm mostly going to be men. And yeah. it's, it's such a difficult thing for men to ask for help. I mean, this weekend, I got three comments on a suicide video. All of them said the same thing. Get a fucking grip. So, and this is the challenge. This is why people won't fucking say anything or try to get help because there's so much fucking bullshit out there. It's I mean, it, it's, it's, what I never realized was with a book, you have this, this place where you can have a real deep conversation with someone away yeah. from distractions. Yes. And uh, in the book, I'm, I'm really just talking to people very openly. And, and some of the, the chapters, I think are going to raise a lot of eyebrows where I, I talk about the mistakes I made with fucking loads of women when I was younger mm -hmm. and thinking it would make me happy. And there was actually a certain number of women that I thought if I fucked, I would have accomplished something. So was it, was I, it three figures? Yeah. It's always three figures, yeah. Come on, come on, mate. No, I'm joking. And um, I, I explained in it how hollow I felt at the end of it. And I realized that I'd been aiming for something, thinking it would give me something. Yeah. And if, if anything, I'm very fortunate I got there so early. Yeah. Because I could realize, oh, what am I doing? Bro, when you're and, applying this to any area of my life, this is where I was in Marbella when I was suicidal. I'd hit this point in my life that I thought was what I wanted. And then when I got there, it didn't feel anything like what I thought it would when I was like, 12 years earlier. Didn't feel like anything like it. In fact, I was like, what the fuck have I done here? Is this it? Is that what you felt like? Yeah, and I'll never forget uh, listening to one of your old podcasts about uh, when you first made a million pounds and you were like, was it worth it? I was like, who the fuck asked himself that? And so many people want to be a millionaire. They're yeah. like, that's, that's what they're working towards. But unfortunately, for so many fucking people in the UK, you're never going to get there. You're not. And you're going to spend 40 or 50 years, fucking 60 years trying to accomplish something. And you and I can tell people firsthand that when you get there, nothing changes. No. And you've just overlooked the good life in pursuit of something you think is going to make you happy. And it's a fucking gamble. Yeah. 
And I now sit back and say, why is everyone gambling so much on this? And, and they've been conditioned to this through society. That was me. I was living somebody else. I was trying to live somebody else's values because that's what you do. Do you know, that's what you do. It's like a lot of people as well. Like I was like, okay, I want this fucking five, six hour work week. We'll not say the actual number. Um, I want this house in Marbella, fucking private pool, this car, this family life, this fucking sunshine all year round thing. And, and I, but I, the, the problem with me was I'd sacrifice everything to get there. And when I get, I, I mean, we spoke about this on WhatsApp the other day. We, we, I got there and I was like, fucking hell, is this it? If I look at it again now, I'd actually view it completely differently because I've only, the problem that I had when I was there is that I was almost like, well, what's next? But if I just changed my perception of it and was like, wow, look at how far I've came. I left school with two GCSE. So imagine if you did that. Look at how far I've came from when I was a virgin. Mate, yeah. Man, look at how many times I've came. <laughs> it's just a lens as well. It's just a lens in which you view the world. And one of the things that we'll both share and hopefully more will in the future is with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it'd be amazing to have a black belt. But my life is not all about the black belt it's actually about the next stripe on my belt and it's so fucking crazy that the color of an of a belt brings me happiness and i'm always going to wear that belt i'm always going to go training i'm always going to study the amount Dude, of when hours. i get my blue belt i'm going out with it on don't you worry about Mate, that yeah. I'm, ditching, Mate, I'm, I'm ditching the old saints jesus loves you belt for the, for, the, for, the, for the blue belt no doubt Mate, when you travel you i put it on with hotel robes as well to make during life oh, dude i love that yeah. but um, it's, it's, it's crazy and suddenly you're on this journey as a student and yeah. suddenly rather than being on a journey of wins being on a journey of a student whatever it is is, is is so much happier and do you know what it's crazy to bring it out of context no one's there at jiu-jitsu you're like oh I've only got a purple belt oh I've only got a brown belt every ability every level everyone's got the same smile because it's about what they're doing yeah. not about where they're going yeah and, and I think it's also about um just being able to, to, to just get tiny little bits. Of, it's all about getting better, not getting to a destination. Just yeah. about getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And I was just saying before, I trained with the purple belt last night. He threw me, I, basically I felt like my seven-year-old daughter when I throw around the, throw around the garden and on a trampoline. That's what I felt like. I got tossed around like a child. The guy was the same weight as me. <laughs> it, was, it was embarrassing. In fact, last week I rolled with a black belt. The he he was same weight as me and he was the heaviest man I've ever rolled with, which is weird. I've rolled with 110 kilo guys. This guy was 80 kilos and just knew how to use his weight. And I got truly humbled, but I came out of it knowing I'm a little bit better. One, because I showed up. Two, because I'm not going to beat myself up because I lost. I think focusing on winning and losing is great, but at the same time, it can destroy you as well. And also, uh, another win is that you fucking enjoyed it. Like, so many people can't enjoy losing because yeah. uh, they see losing wrong. Yeah. They see yeah. losing... Yeah. as they're not good enough yeah. when i see losing as thank fuck i'm in a tank full of sharks you yes. know the worst thing in the world could be that i walk away from training winning everything yeah i'm in the wrong king wrong of the dickhead king of the dickhead <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's what i was like when i was in marbella i'd made this all of my friends were still in south shields doing jobs at the fucking heads i was in this place in marbella i was king of the dickheads king of the dickheads <laughs> and, and i think that um that the touching on that um what were we talking about before? Touching on this jujitsu thing. How many times do you talk about it in the book? Uh, yes, but I've expanded on it a lot more. Uh, and I want everyone to try out at least some kind of martial art because when we, when we get into work, when you become very work-orientated, which you, which you need to be, yeah. you become very siloed. 
you spend a lot more time with you, your thoughts, with everything else. Yeah. And if you're good at what you do, you leave everyone else behind. Yes. But suddenly you're not surrounded by what I would call the enemy that much. And you have to go to their social media to see their metrics. You have to go to fucking Google to find out how much money they're making or whatever it is. And you don't get enough contact with your opposition. And what I love about jujitsu is, like you say, you get humbled a few times a week. It doesn't matter how much money you make in a week. Yeah. There's people better than you. And it, it schools you every week that when you go there that, you know, you're not as big as you fucking think you are. And there's no racial discrimination. There's no yeah. age discrimination, no career discrimination. discrimination. Yeah, it's, it's, we're all there with the yeah. same, same goal, same objective. Yeah. And if you don't bring it every fucking day, you will get left behind and you will get beaten. And you know what you were saying, actually? I, I knew what I wanted to talk about now. Um, this thing where you mentioned you feel like you're not good enough. I actually like that feeling because I frame it differently. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not good enough. So how do I close the gap? What is good enough? People don't know. I get this all the time from guys. Oh, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I'm like, A, good enough for what? B, what is good enough? C, how could you close the gap between C and B? Do you know what I mean? Or how could you close the gap between B and A? How do you know you, like, you know you're getting better in jujitsu. It's actually, that's a difficult thing in jujitsu because everybody else is getting better too. So it's only really yeah. when you roll with somebody new that you realize actually I'm like, when I go back in the gym, I'm desperate to roll with a, a, a new guy. Not just so I can dominate him, but to see if I've actually gotten better. And, and yes. I think that's why I trained in the gi, because I like, sometimes I go through phases of liking no gi better, but I know that I must train in the gi because otherwise I don't know what progress looks like. It's a strange old thing. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, like exactly what you say, you don't really realize until you bring your friends and you're explaining positions and looking at you like, I don't know what you're on about. Uh, I, uh, I started boxing recently just for a bit of fun. Oh, okay. When are you home again? October? Yeah. Trying to have a little throw around here. Yeah, have a little, we'll have a little dust up, bro. <laughs> uh, my boxing coach, he messaged me. He goes, uh, every time the, my sparring partner landed a big punch on my face, he goes, you laughed? He yeah. goes, why'd you laugh? I said, I thought I had it. I said, I thought I had it. There's a few times that you step in, you're yeah. in range, you go for a big overzealous jab, you hit air and then you eat yeah. shit with a glove. And I, to me, I find that hilarious. Yeah. And I enjoy, I'm enjoying that. I've just been punched in the face and I'm enjoying it in the moment. And it's not because, that bad. It's not that yeah. bad. Yeah. Do you still it's get a little bit nervous before you spot? Yeah, I've got to get used to, because in jiu-jitsu, you never get hit in this bit, really. Yeah. Your yeah. side of the head. And having something come towards you, it, it really, I got really frustrated in my last session that I kept closing my eyes yeah. when the gloves come. Yeah. And I said to my coach, I said, I said, I need to get a fucking beating. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you need to get someone to fucking fill me in so that the next time this all feels easy. Yes. Yeah, dude, once I broke my nose, I got much better because I was like, that's as bad as it's going to get really. Breaking my nose. Once you've 100%. had that done, it's not that, nothing's ever that bad. Plus, I'm not exactly going to get my teeth knocked out, am I? They're already out. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, putting yourself in at the deep end, I feel, is such a, such a fantastic thing because I said to him, once I, I've never been knocked out and there's part of me that's kind of looking forward to it so I know my limits. Mm -hmm. Have you shot yet? Uh, I've not taken one. Dude, that is uh, way worse than getting broken. That, that is worse than getting a broken nose. But again, in a, in a fucking weird way, I'm kind of looking forward to knowing that pain. Yeah. Because once I know that pain, one, I'm not going to leave my ribs open. <laughs> and, and two, suddenly a little shot to the solar plexus or the gut isn't going to feel as bad. Even a low blow, I'm like, oh, well, it's not the fucking liver. And yeah. we're in this world where we're so conditioned to not be uncomfortable. Yes. And, mate, I, I had someone in jiu-jitsu the other night put so much top pressure on me. 
All I wanted to do was tap. Yeah. All I wanted to do. And, and you lost the top vision. Yeah. You can't, you can't tap from top have you, been in, have you been in Scarfold recently? Scarfold. Scarfold. That's like, um, it's top control, but your head's wrapped. And also, so your head's wrapped in between here and here. Someone's falling on your sternum, dude. It's not a submission, but I've tapped on that so many times and it's embarrassing. My coach right, is like, why are you tapping? It's not a submission. I'm like, dude, I, there's literally no escape from it. And we train it in our gym all of the time. I know, I know the position now. And, yeah, and, and, and you're there and you have to distract yourself. And then suddenly when your emails are, are fucking coming through or you're late for a meeting or whatever it is, you suddenly get to a point where you're like, this, is, this isn't bad, but we're in, we're in a world where we're so soft. So that suddenly someone breaks up with their boyfriend. They're like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, let me fucking hit you in the liver and you realize what real pain is, right? <laughs> you know, and it, it sounds really sadistic, but yeah. in essence, for some people the the pain they're feeling is bad yeah. but there are worse things out there and if we can condition ourselves that and, and it's all temporary as fuck it's all temporary as fuck anyway and you know looking back and this is cheesy but looking back over it you'll learn some of your best shit there you learn 100%. some of your best shit when you come through that pain do you know what i mean that that it's resilience really dude how many i was thinking this when you're talking about boxing how many did you get any negative comments when you posted that you video of you hitting the punch bag how many tips did you get uh, so actually I sent it to the one person whose opinion I care about. <laughs> I sent it to the one person, his name's Mike. He's one of the coaches of Bali MMA. And he says, you've got some things to pick up. This yeah. is what people are going to pick you up on. But yeah. he goes for six sessions, six sessions in. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, nice. I'm enjoying that. And once I, once I sent that to him for a reason, because I actually wanted to know where I was at, but yeah, you can't right. leave the outside world. No, dude, honestly, I put a video of my, 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 me sparring a kid up and I was fucking schooling him. And I still got loads of people giving me shit, like, get your hands up. I'm like, dude, I'm completely out of range. My hands are on my hip because he can't hit me from where he is. I got so much criticism. I'm like, it's not even worth putting a video up because it's not informative for anybody. It doesn't help anybody. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not listening to these armchair fucking. <laughs> Listen to these arm. That's the thing with boxing and, and even jiu-jitsu. There's so many fucking armchair experts who've never even been in a fucking ring giving you advice. And they never ask you the, the simple question of how many sessions you had? How long have you been training? How many hours have you spent sparring? None of that is, is, is relevant anymore. Yeah. It's all about how good you are. And again, um, people look at us and right now they go, oh, these guys are confident having this conversation. They don't realize how many conversations we've had. They don't understand how long we've been doing podcasts or yeah. how long we've had been talking to camera to run a business. And they Dude, just see where you're at. I have a long story on this. I have a really long story on this. I said it on Darren's podcast and people's heads blew up. I think I've said it to you before as well. And that I did a seminar with John Kavanagh, Conor McGregor's coach. And I was a little bit, it was one of my, one of my first ever seminars. And I drove all the way to Rochdale. There was like a hundred guys there. And I must have been the, by far the fucking biggest noob, right? I was the biggest, I was the freshest. By fresh, I mean just the newest guy starting jiu-jitsu because it's football fresh about me when I move, I'm nearly 40. But I, I went into this session and I just felt completely out of place. Like, completely out of my depth. And Kavanaugh came over and you could tell I was struggling. He said, what's the matter? I said, well, I shouldn't fucking be. I said, I feel completely out of place. He said, listen, what color belt have you got? I said, white. And it was like, maybe I had two stripes at the time. And he said, what color belt have I got? He said, black. He said, I've just started before you. That's it. I've got 20 years more training than you, at least. So I was like, and it made a lot of sense to me because it's like easy to say, I'm shit, you're shit. But at the same time, I'm a fucking white belt. I'm not shit. I'm just a white belt. That, that could be said for anything. Like we were white. Someone said to me the other day, oh, well, 
it's different for me because I haven't got a, as many followers as James. I'm like, how many do you think he had when he fucking started? Yes, it's you know so true. Mean? You think he started with that many followers or do you think he started at fucking zero like everybody else and just kept going? I um, I'd done uh, marketing muscle in a circle. All of the studying I did under you was before I even had Instagram. Really? I didn't, I didn't have a business Insta until November 2016. So pretty much 2017. Which yeah. I was a late, I was a late adopter to Instagram. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Team Flakebook. The reason I said I was Team Facebook is I couldn't be fucked to manage two social media profiles. Dude, I was the same. I was the same. I've been the same with YouTube. Oh, I'm not a YouTuber, but the reality is, I just, I haven't got time to be on all platforms yet. That's why it took me so long to get on this podcast game. Because if I was going to do it, I was going to do it properly. And again, my time's extremely fucking limited. But do go on the Instagram thing. Last start of last year, I only had two thousand followers. Yeah, this week we hit 20,000, which is crazy. Um, and, and I'm not even good at it. I'm fucking terrible at it. I don't use hashtags. I don't reply to every comment. I don't reply to all, all messages. I don't follow any of the fucking rules. I just keep fucking showing up. And that's the same for you, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't use hashtags either. Could it benefit my business? Yeah, I just think it looks fucking desperate. Paul Alima uses hashtags. <laughs> yeah, but his, his are actually quite funny. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking hilarious. Yeah, his and, um, hashtags are better than his posts sometimes. Mate, oh, you know, they, they kill me. He's one of my favorite people. And, and yeah. you know what? Like, one thing that I found in the industry is people are very uh, individual. They're, it's all about them. Yeah. And what I found over the last few years, you and I especially, and Paul, I spend, more, I spend a lot of my time promoting other people, uh, even, even during to a certain extent. And I love promoting those people around me because I'm not insecure. Yeah. And I'm like, everyone, there, there's so many times that people, you know, arguably I could say, I'm an expert in email marketing. Yeah. Because... My email marketing's here. Yours is fucking here. And I could be oblivious to the world and pretend I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. And I could go, my name's James Smith and I've got fucking 300,000 people. But it's a credit to everyone when they do point to the people that have helped them gain success. It doesn't take anything away from you. Do you know so many, you're going to get found out anyway. Like I give people, every time I say something that I've heard of somebody else, I try and give them credit because then I've got nothing to hide. Somebody called me out and said, you're just trying to be him. I'm like, they can't say that because I've already said it. I've said this numerous times and you, you'll be in this position as well, right? I did an interview for BBC Inside Out the other week, right? And someone said to me, are you not scared of them finding out about stuff that you, about stuff of your past and that? I said, I fucking haven't said anything. Nobody can say anything about me that I haven't already said. Like nobody can say you stole that from him, you stole that from him because I've already fucking said it. And that is liberating because... Um, like you say, it's like, if I'm, I've got to give somebody credit because again, I save so much energy, but it's kind of about if I show appreciation to them, it also makes me feel fucking great. If you tell me that the gentleman is a fucking sick film and I watch it, not only do I love that fucking film, I go, you're a fucking legend fit me onto it. But <laughs> yeah. people don't see it that way. Do they? They don't. Yeah, how, good like, Hugh, how good was Hugh Grant in it? Hey, how, I was oh, really about surprised this. about how good he was. Hey, I am. Um, I was thinking, how the fuck has Guy Ritchie got Hugh Grant and gone? This is the character I want you to portray. <laughs> the the insight of that, and again, because he's a black belt. Because he's a black belt. Is he? Yeah, he's a jujitsu black belt. No, it's not him. Oh, it is him. It is he's a jujitsu black belt. Fuck. Mate, Dude, isn't that, is that is that is that has he gone into like top ten man crush now? Nah, not yet. There's some other blokes above him in that. He's in not that yet. List. <laughs> yeah. What does a guy have to do to get in your top ten? <laughs> <laughs> Holy fucking shit! That movie plus all the other ones he's done, and he's a dude did black belt, and he's fuck Madonna. 
Yeah, I was about to say that actually. I wasn't sure about that. But yeah. um mate, now that, that film was sick. And again, people are, are so worried about like, you know, punching up and, and saying to people, Oh, you know, this is this is where I learned it from. And yeah. it's like the eight mile mentality where you know, just get it all off your chest. And and again, I've I've spoken so much. Uh, I do this as well. Not only is it liberating, and it does protect yourself, and you do need to protect yourself. Yeah. I tell people about drug use. I tell people about uh, steroids because the person that sold them to me can wrap me out. Um, <laughs> also, with sleeping with a lot of women, you know, yeah. let's say um, you know someone comes out. Oh, James Smith did this. They're like, yeah, he fucking spoke about it on Paul Watts podcast. He yeah. put it in his book. Yeah. And. I talk about all of my insecurities. I even get worried about dick pics that I sent. You know, I've, I've only had a following for three years. In my early 20s, I was probably dishing out dick pics left, right and centre. And then, do you know what? It's normal for a single lad. You imagine if all your MSN conversations came out, MSN messenger conversations came out. But again, we, we all act as if we're these divine interventions, but we're not. We're all yeah. fucking human. Do you yeah. know what? I've been in a few fights before. I've done yeah. this. I've done that. You know, there's... Mate, there's probably some videos of girls and I on rugby tour doing things that wouldn't make my parents proud. Yeah. But I want to stand up and scream to the world, this is normal. Yeah. And you cannot ostracize me purely based off the fact that I've had some relative success. Yeah. And we need to move away from this world where people are perfect. And yeah. Kevin Hart sent a homophobic tweet. Was it right? Absolutely not. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he, no one's ever looking at intention anymore. Dude, that doesn't was, mean that's who he is now either. People get that. Yeah. People get that. Just because I did this ten years ago doesn't make me this now. So just much for him just is because I, just because I stole something once doesn't mean I'm a thief. A hundred percent. And we I just, just made mistakes. Decision. I just made a decision at the time, doing the best I could with the tools that I had. Now I know he better. Was, I do better. He was trying to be funny, I expect, because yeah. he definitely wasn't trying to be homophobic. Yeah. At the time, he tried to do something and he failed. And yeah. he probably did offend a large population, but he said he's sorry. He now, since then, has put so many smiles on people's faces through other mediums. Yeah. And sometimes you need to go, do you know what? His 0.1% failure rate should be overlooked. Yeah. And people are now looking to dig up some of Joe Rogan's content from 10 uh, years ago. Embarrassing. Like, what are these people doing? <laughs> I'm going to go around their own lives. And again, this is going to be, uh, you know, everyone's trying to dig up this stuff and trying to portray people as being worse. And you know what? I've done some things in my life that I regret, but on the flip side of that, what am I supposed to be some kind of fucking saint for people? Dude, and how tiring it must be hiding that stuff because you feel like you're constantly looking over your shoulder and you're paranoid and you're scared. For me, you'll have a lot of fear because I think going back to this thing about not giving people credit, there's, it's because of a fear of loss. Same with not telling. There's a, there's this fear of what am I going to lose if I, if I say this guy's great, this guy helped me, what am I going to lose? What am I going to lose if people find that out? It's just a fear. And that's not, and again, knowing like coming from my past back in 2014, I was hiding loads of shit and there's nothing more liberating. And you, there's nothing more that makes it feel powerful because that's a weird thing to say, but there's nothing more liberating and more powerful than just having nothing to hide. For me, the most powerful man in the room isn't the loudest one. It's the one who doesn't have to say anything and has nothing at all to hide. On the day that uh, I released my first book, I couldn't fully enjoy the day because I had the notion that if someone was going to leak something on me, it'd be that day. Yeah. And I wasn't anxious about my book. I was anxious about everything I'd done before it. And I couldn't communicate that with people because I was not taking my own advice. Yeah. I was worrying about something that probably wasn't going to happen. And it's, now, the, and the more open I am, the more I feel like I'm protecting myself from it. Yeah. Uh, mate, imagine this. You're going to fucking cream your pants over this. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, 
to just before this week before uh someone crops up in my inbox it's one of my ex-girlfriends she says to me the press are pressing me for a story about you it's probably my only ex-girlfriend that i ended on bad terms with and i was like how the fuck would the press have found you a few pictures of us together from a few years ago whatever and on on your myspace account no, it, was, it wasn't. Bebo, it wasn't that Bebo. fucking old. <laughs> Send me your love on Bebo. And um, about twenty minutes later, a girl randomly inboxes me on uh, Insta, and she goes, "I think you want to see this." Mm-hmm. And the same girl who had told me the press were asking about a story had posted in a mum's group in her region of the UK, going, "My ex-boyfriend's a bit of a dickhead. Um, he's famous now. I'm thinking of selling a story to the newspaper. Obviously, I wouldn't keep the money for myself. I'd give it to my son." because she's now married with a kid. So she was intentionally looking to blackmail me with a false story to make money to give to her child. Little did she know, I had the lawyers at the ready. I had all the legal papers, everything lined up. So if she was going to serve me, she'd be going down for blackmail. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, is this what I got to deal with? People trying to air my fucking laundry. And then I was like, you know what? Speeding ticket. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Dude, the, 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 um, talking about your, your last book and even the second book, how concerned were you with, and you can tell me where you're at with this, how concerned were you with negative reviews? So, for book one, right, do you know what the most negative review was? What was it? I've been following you on social media for four years and I've learned all of this before. Oh. <laughs> You've already taught me about this. So I was like, hold on, let me get this straight. You've been following me for four years and absorbing so much of my content that when I put it all in a book and sold it for eight pounds, you learned nothing because I taught you so much. Thank you for the negative review. Really? Uh, yeah. So that was, the God. Yeah, there, that was it. And then a few people were like, oh, he's well up himself. And I was like, well, you still bought the book. That's fine. And, and your averages as well. Oh, dude, it's a book about you. Like, what the fuck else? Are you, like, you're going to tell your own personal stories. You've got a few of those from other people, but... Who else them aren't. write a fucking book about? It's not someone else's biography. You I also know, feel that writer. a lot of people went on there just to vent stuff because they know they can't get anything in, in comments. But yes. and they and do you know what? I went and I had a look at Aunt Middleton. I had a look at uh, Ross Edgley. Yeah. I looked at some of their one star reviews, and people were giving them one star reviews because Amazon had damaged the book posting yeah. it. Yeah. And I was like, why are you giving an author a bad review because your yeah. postman dropped it? Yeah. But interestingly enough, with book two, I was like, right. I'm going to put a lot of stuff in it that people have never heard before. But not only that, in fitness, you remember this, it's always a dick swinging contest about never being incorrect. And you can say one thing, someone's probably going to come out with a new study and go, James, what you said about the menstrual cycle in your PCOS is now incorrect. Brilliant. Well, I didn't know that at the time. And I did a talk to help women put your fucking endometriosis study away, you fucking sanctimonious cunt. Yeah. And it's always a pissing contest in fitness of seeing who's right or who's got the latest study or who interpreted the data Are mm-hmm. squats really building glutes. Mm-hmm. And with book two, I want to leave that to the side because yeah. I can't be wrong. But that, that'll my... be in there. Like I'm willing to be wrong. Like that's, 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 I call that a flexible mindset. I'm willing to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong sometimes. But with you and what, what you've done, I bet when, when you moved into business coaching from fitness, yeah it wasn't about studies. It wasn't about objectivity. It suddenly was about your own experiences, what you've done. And if anyone had criticized you on your business, you go, well, here's the fucking bank account. There were many of those. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward Dude, to it. I like that in my personal life right now. One of the, I love sharing. I had this video where I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? It's on my Instagram, my Facebook now. And I love that because 
even my voice was it was actually you will remember the the, the videos and that back in 2014 my even the my fat face the fat face the hold up the, even my voice is different like those are some of my favorite things to share because it's like okay i can tell you about how my life changed or i can fucking show you and showing somebody is very different and it's actually another sign that holy shit i have come a fucking long way and it'll be the same for you i have come a fucking long way here a lot of people uh, I saw in some of the comments, they're like, oh, what makes you a life coach? Uh, you know, you're just the PT. I was like, yeah, I get that. But three years ago, I was in a Bracknell business part, flogging sessions, 25 quid. I'm now a best-selling author, TED speaker, and operate a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I've done that in three years. I'm pretty sure I can give you some advice because... That didn't happen by accident. I didn't win that. That wasn't a lottery ticket, mate. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's not like I, I fucking picked up a lucky ticket. There are processes, thoughts, and emotions that if you put them in the right order, yeah. take you in a good direction. Yeah. yeah. And, and no you one... know, when people buy the book or follow you, they are by default asking for your advice. Yeah. By fucking they're, they're... People. I'm like, I never give advice to people that don't ask me for it. But if you follow me, I'm going to give you advice because that's essentially why you follow me and read my emails because you're asking for advice. I, I nibbled about an hour ago on Facebook and uh, I was doing a Facebook live and I was plugging my Academy and someone commented saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. I was like, yeah, I am. I am selling this to you because ultimately I'm trying to make your fucking life better. Yeah. And no matter what I sell you, I was like, mate, I was like £8.99. I was like, minus the app store, minus the corporation tax, minus my dividends tax, my take home, my business partner, my developers, my costs. Mate, I'm trying to help you for a matter of pennies. I'm doing yeah. you a disservice if I don't tell you about it. Yeah. And I was like, what? Am I going to leave you to some other cunt? So you broccoli and avocado. I was like, me doing this is about you. It's not about me. No. You know, and people massively over, overlook that. And it's frustrating, isn't it? Dude, it's so fucking frustrating. And I get it a lot. In fact, I got some at 2 a.m. this morning. I woke up this morning and it was like, oh, Paul, I can't believe you're profiting from weak people. I'm like, what the fuck makes somebody fucking weak? Because they ask for fucking help. You're the exact reason why, again, I got get a grip comments. I've had jump off a cliff comments. I've had you should shoot yourself in the head comments. I've had two death threats last year. And, and today it was like you're profiting from weak people. I'm like, what the fuck makes them weak? And also, do you work for free? Of course you fucking don't, dickhead. It's two in the morning. You're full of fucking Santa's eyebrows and you've had a fucking drink. I didn't say that. I just deleted it. <laughs> And also, there's, and no that, me, there's no point in me going back at them. Like, why would I, I? I'm not wasting energy on that. It's a deleting a block for me. And if he's correct, then doctors do the same, you know? Or, you know, oh, what's that? You work in chemotherapy, you make money out of weak people. It was for a fucking so, yeah. book. I don't, listen, I don't make any money on the book because I published it myself. It costs me to print the fucking book. It costs me money to print the book. Like, I, make, I probably make 50p, right? There's no advance because I self published it. Because I think the part of me is terrified of getting the criticism on Amazon because I can't just block the reviews. <laughs> like, that's the thing about self-publishing. If you've got a negative comment, I'm just got to fucking delete it, mate. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, I don't have that thing. So the next few months should be fucking exciting. <laughs> mate, I, I actually, I, I had someone uh, uh, messaging me. I, I like going through my inbox and this girl yeah. was like, she said, she said, James, you ever dealt with depression? So she commented to me this about six hours ago. No, it was more than six hours ago. Yeah. And I looked at her profile and it said she was island. So I thought, this is someone drunk. So I was like, I'm going to respond to this. I have to be very careful because what I don't want is to be the last person someone yes. communicates with. Yes. And, and if I do, I don't want to be seen to be giving advice. You know, I've, had this, but I've had this, by the way. Someone did that. And, and you're suddenly like, fuck. And you, what I've done is I've picked up that rock. 
that I told everyone else to leave alone. Yeah. And then she starts telling me why she's unfollowed me and starts telling me why I'm a dick and yeah. why I need to change my ways. I said to her, I was like, it's 3 a.m. in Ireland. I was like, I really hope you go to sleep because yeah. I, I felt quite sad by the fact that someone would be up at that time in the morning and their only concern would be giving me advice on how I operate. Yeah, on just make things. myself feel better. Yeah, that was, um, way, that was her way at the time of feeling a little bit better by just ranting at you. And you've got to yeah. understand that the bigger we get, the more successful we get, the, the more of a target we become. Like, I yeah. say this all the time, the higher up the ladder you climb, the more your arse hangs out and the more people can see it. I love that. The more people can see your arse hangs Like, honestly, the higher up that ladder of success you climb, like, look, I'm doing my fucking actions and everything, look. <laughs> but the higher up the ladder you climb, the more your fucking arse hangs out and... Unfortunately, the more people can see it, the higher you get. But it I is what it people... is. I mean, I mean, listen, let's talk about this criticism thing, because like me and you have dealt with a lot of criticism, criticism and you're probably in a place where you, you're getting probably more than ever right now, right? Shitty little comments. Like, how are you? What's your approach to this right now? Because I'm sure it's changed from maybe even a year ago. Very simply, I feel there are people that understand my motive and people that don't. Yep. That's it. So I categorize people. Now, some people that don't understand, they might understand soon. But if they don't, like, I think if anyone's intelligent, they'll understand why I do what I do. And some people won't. And I don't take that personally. Yeah. Because, you know, some people don't understand the rules of cricket. And that's why they don't like it. And okay. mate, <laughs> I, love, I love cricket, right? You love, love it. cricket? And, yeah, like, once you understand the rules, mate, it is a fantastic... I, I guarantee there's going to be, there was probably a time in your life where you looked at jiu-jitsu and you were like, that's, oh, that's too many much, pajamas. Many. Yeah. Dude, you know what? I've been the same with yoga. I've been the same with meditation. I've been the same with breathing mechanics. I've been the same with fucking headstands. I've been the same with lying on one of those acupressure mats. Oh, that's for fucking hippies. Dude, you're right. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's merely that you don't understand something. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot of people out there that are probably like, or meditation what's that are stupid and that's probably me five years ago yeah. some of the some of the tweets i used to send out back in the day are <laughs> you know horrendous but it's merely because i didn't understand something yes. and uh again you know it for people when when they understand what you do that's fine and if i look at someone not as a bad person just as someone that doesn't understand i can brush that off quite easily yes and i think it's not a i get asked all the time how do you deal with criticism i'm like well i don't deal with criticism it's almost like i just have this switch he's trying his yeah. best I just, it's just a, it's more of a mindset than a because dealing with something is a skill set but i think not having to deal with it at all is more of a mindset you just flip this switch yeah he's trying his best and if someone if someone's one of your paying clients that that nudges them up a little bit where do you know what your feedback is important because yeah. you're one of my clients and if someone's paying you they're only going to give you feedback that is going to benefit you you know you get a few bad eggs where they go, you go, well, you just didn't use my service. You know, you've, you've, like, you've gone to the theatre yeah. and put on an eye mask. Yeah, yeah. you know, you, and you're, yeah. you're moaning about it or you've sat in the toilets the whole time at the cinema. It's, yeah. so there are people that do that, but yeah, largely with criticism, when people don't understand you, try to tell you how you should do things. Yeah. Yeah, just don't, I don't, I just don't deal with it. And it's not exhausting at all. Because yeah. again, people think we have to deal with these things. We don't. And a bit like when uh, oh, this quite The thing is, how funny, are you going to deal with it? Like, what really are you going to do about dealing with it? Get in an argument with somebody, try and prove that you're right. I do this, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is a skill of mine or or a bad trait. But when I break up with someone, yeah. they're like, "We need to talk about this," and I'm like, "No, we don't." 
and there and people are like you're so cold i'm like i'm not cold i'm just not engaging in this conversation i do not see any purported benefit in engaging with you i've made up my mind i don't want to be with you you want to drag this through fucking broken glass and i don't and i don't have to have this discussion i have no obligation anymore because we're not dating so no (laughs) yeah yeah, you, there's not. We, we don't need to prove people right to, for us to be. We don't need to prove other people wrong for us to be right. Exactly. Like, I'm right, and I'm okay with that. And, and listen, there's no winners, but there's no winner in that fucking engagement anyway. Nobody wins. You know what I mean? There's, no, there's no win at all, dude. Let me ask you a question. Are you um? Are you coming home soon? Uh, yeah, in the next few months. Um, funnily enough, my mum and dad were like, "Don't come home." Really? And my mum. Yeah, she was like. I think they, my mum and dad have restarted to get to know me in the last few months. And they know if I'm just potting about the house at home, I'll I'll drive them crazy and I'll drive myself crazy. Uh, Australia is still only at 108 deaths. So yeah, we've got uh, three or four territories here, which are coronavirus free. Uh, Victoria. Yeah. So New South Wales only got a few hundred active cases. Um, Victoria's just hit their highest number since COVID kicked off. Yeah. apparently there was a security guard in the hotel when people quarantine here they have to go into a hotel yeah. that's paid for by the state yeah. and sit in that hotel room on like guard they're guarded rooms right one of the security guards was fucking a load of them apparently oh shit. And, and went home infected his family and whatever so victoria's rates have just started skyrocketing well, he, well, he fucking them as well well, <laughs> never put it past him i'm not sure if that story is 100 percent true but but here there's no masks there's uh 100 people in a pub um and it feels very much here i've got a lot of naivety to coronavirus but it's because i live in a part of the world where it's not really been affected yeah. and i'm not sure that i want to subject myself to that it's my choice to come home and at the moment what made, you, what made you stay leslie wanted me to ask you this actually and ask him what made him stay in australia well, you, you, know, were in Bali is, when it, you were in Bali when it went down, right? Uh, yeah, and I had the choice of coming home and coming here. Yeah. Um, some people will find this hard to understand, but it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. When I came to Australia, you go into a cafe, you yeah. go into a restaurant, and you see yeah. young people genuinely happy to wait tables and make coffee. And you don't see that in the UK. You only see, and this is going to be a very controversial thing I'm going to say, immigrants that work in the UK are very happy to work in Costa and Starbucks because they've been given an opportunity to earn enough money to provide for themselves and live a happy life. English people complain that they take our jobs, but they don't. They, they take normal jobs and we need immigrants as part of society. When you come to Australia, you Mm. see good looking young people working in coffee shops and they're so happy. And sometimes I look at them and I go, how are you so happy? And it's because the most important thing to them is their life, not their job. And they work in that cafe from 6 a.m. till 3 p.m. They clock off. They meet their friends for a bottle of wine and watch the sunset. They take their dog out. They have dinner with their family. They go home. They repeat the same day. And they're happy to do that. Yeah. And I realized that when I came here, fuck me, so many people have life wrong. And out here, it's not about having the best car, the most money. It's about enjoying the days. And even now, I've got my phone blowing up and my friends that just want to go have an ice cream and sit there, put our phones down and talk. And we do this most nights. Yeah. Do you think this has something to do with the weather? Do you think that, do you think that influences it all? Yes. Uh, vitamin D, probably why corona rates are so low and the sun being out. Blue skies have such an impact on my mood. But we're even in winter right now with short days and I've never been happier. Yeah. And there's this attitude here where it's not about working late evenings. It's not about this. And if your life is good, it doesn't matter what you do for a job. And 
to see people enjoy that kind of stuff. I come back to the UK and there are so many unhappy people in this rat race to earn a certain amount of money. And I've been there. And once you earn that money, as we spoke about before, you're not guaranteed happiness. And here they guarantee happiness first and then work around it. Nice. And, and you know what, mate? I love that you're seeing this because there's so much of a, this kind of idea that like, you have to love your job. Like, oh, if I don't love my job, it means I'm a loser. Or if you love your work, you never have to work a day in your life and all that shit. I kind of agree with it. But then at the same time, I'm like, just love the opportunities that your job gives you. What, what could you, I, like, you don't, you, we don't always get to do what we love, but there's always a way to love what you do. Always. Even if it's that, I, it, it pays for this. It puts clothes on my kid's back. It allows me to go on fucking holiday. It allows me to have evenings off. It allows me to spend the weekend with my kids and, and, and even buying us things. It allows me to go to the gym every night. It allows me to go to the gym in the morning. I, I had this as well. When I was about 23, I played rugby in New Zealand. And there was no work in the South Island. So I was taking any job I could. And I worked on a farm and it was freezing. I was working with a sheep shearer and my job all day was to get sheep close enough to the shearer. Because when they hear the shearer, they go nuts. Looking back, I got paid about £4.50 an hour. Yeah. But I loved it because after that, we'd go to the sea, we'd hit golf balls into the sea. Uh, you know, we would go our fishing chips together. And I realized that life is genuinely, it sounds really hippie, it's about being happy. Yeah. And out here, that's apparent. Back in the UK, it's not. And I don't want to bring my kids people up. People don't know how. I, th I think they're not familiar with it because they don't see it. Yeah, yeah I think they have a warped, I think they have a warped perception of what it is. It's just, if you think about it, it's really just a fucking feeling. So you know what you can do? More shit that you love doing. More shit that, that, that makes you feel happy. Imagine this as well, right? Imagine you and I get a job serving tables in a restaurant. Right? Imagine, employing us. Us. imagine employing us, by the way. Eh? fucking legends but say 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 we um uh, we perth right there's some amazing restaurants in perth on the beach i go in tomorrow i say hi can i get a job I'll, I'll work really hard for you um and i'll work every evening from 5 p.m till close about 11 uh, a six hour shift if i get 20 dollars an hour whatever with that i could probably afford a one-bedroom studio i could probably get a dog and i could do jujitsu every day at lunchtime and uh read a book every morning for two hours drink a coffee in australia if someone was to say, you've got to do that every day for the rest of your life, I'll go, do you know what? I, I could. And yeah, yeah and, and, and this is it. And I, I've always thought the whole way through my business, if everything goes tits up, if all the dick pics get leaked, I get done for this, done for that, whatever it is, I'm going to go to Perth. I'm going to go to that steak restaurant. I'll be the waiter that sent out the dick pics. Yeah. And I'll give, a, I'll give the dog the best life it's ever had. Yeah. And I'll train jiu-jitsu, trying to be the best athlete I can. I'll read the books during the day and I'll spend each day on the beach. And I was like, fuck that on a few hundred dollars a week is better than most people will ever live a life mm. and that is quite profound where it wasn't about money it wasn't about driving a nice car it wasn't about going to vegas with the boys it's what's on the other side of the job that is creating yeah. happiness i think and imagine looking back on that and, and someone going what'd you do with your life and you go well i had three dogs which each of them i had very meaningful relationships with you know I worked in a restaurant where I was a very positive person. I served people's tables. I put a smile on their face. And during the day, I read a book with a coffee and I didn't look at my phone until just before I went to work. And who's to say on earth that that isn't what we should all be aspiring for? Mm. And Dude, you I, said I about your phone. I've actually got a post going out on Instagram. That's along the lines of, listen, just do more shit. That makes you forget to check your phone. Yeah. And, and, and again, I imagine, let's say I get a bit bored of jiu-jitsu, I could take up surfing. And you become a student to the waves your whole life. Even if you get eaten by a shark, I know 
And I was so fortunate to PT very wealthy people. And when I PT'd some very wealthy people in the day, I had one guy Dude, who was you get a million. All the nuggets? Yeah, one guy was really, really wealthy, but he felt the need to always remind me of it. And he would wear a Breitling watch to PT and go, oh, I've accidentally worn my watch. And I was like, you haven't. You've worn that so you can brag to me. Yeah. And he would always tell me that he had friends who he called losers, but he couldn't understand why they were so happy. And there was one of them that he, he said he lives in Worthing on his own. And he goes, he's a bit fucking weird in the head because he's happy and he lives in a shithole house. And I was like, you're jealous of your mate who's got nothing who's happy. Then the other wealthy client got something called Bell's palsy where the side of his face collapsed and it was through stress and working too much. And he turned to me and he goes, James, and his eye kept leaking because it's the, all the muscles in his face collapsed, side leaking. He goes, I've got 2 million quid in my current account and there's nothing I can do about my face. Mm. And you get to that point where you're like, all right, one guy's got all the money, but it doesn't make him happy because he's trying to show off about it. The other guy's got all the money, but what he had to sacrifice and work to get there, similar to yourself, You sat there probably going, fuck, was that worth it? And why should it take an intervention at nearly 60 years old to realize my, my biggest fear in life is so many people are going to be so old when they realize this, that they can look back, not at what they've accomplished, but the years they've potentially wasted. And that makes me very sad. Yeah, we have this thing that we talk about inside of Unstoppable where we talk about like these grand life goals. They're always vague as fuck. They're kind of like the horizon and you're never going to get there. Like even Financial when freedom. Been, yeah, that's it. Even when I got to this point in my life, it, it, like in, in 2014, I still didn't feel like I was there. I, st- I was still what's next because it wasn't specific enough. I mean, when you're constantly working for more money, like when does that stop? When it's, does that it's, stop? It's crazy. It, it, a tough pill for everyone to swallow is this as well, that everything that we're working for in life, we could do right now. And yeah. no one wants to admit that. No one wants to. They want more money, more security, more clients uh, to live in a nicer area. No, if if I put a gun to your head... Dude, listen to how big those are, though. You can never hit those. You can always live in a nice area. You can always make more money. You can always get more clients. Like, There's no finish line there. It's it's almost like an idea. We we call it the ideal. People are unhappy when they compare where they're at now with their ideal, which they can never hit, instead of comparing where they're at now with where they started. And like again, everybody people, is further ahead than they were before. If you stop and, and look at it and put your perception glasses on. It's people are the same with the, they, they, they're the, the fallacy goes the other way around as well. When they off put that same horizon to the things they want to accomplish, like travel, like going on holiday or seeing the world or going to the fucking great wall of China, whatever it is. Yeah. And then suddenly before you know it, and another big point that I make in the book, that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers is I don't like the idea of waiting until 65 to do stuff no. i don't and i i think you gotta be a fucking moron to do shit at 65 when i'm 65 i'm not leaving the fucking house i'm gonna be in my house moaning at the fucking neighbors telling kids yeah and i'm gonna be mo- i'm gonna be a grumpy old man telling the neighbors to shut the fuck up that's what i want to be at 65 yeah. and i don't feel that our current constructs for life work and the reason for that being is how many people eject on their life before retirement yeah. and People were like, oh, yeah, it's a fair point. I'm like, no, no, no. Statistically speaking, men under 40, you know, everyone's, everyone's waiting out to be 65. Then why is the biggest killer of men under 40 suicide? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, trying people, to, it's the ide- they're trying to live the ideal. And, and then they're yeah. disappointed when where they're at doesn't live up with their expectations. I know that was me, but the expectation, if you think about it, it isn't even clear. It's so generic. Like, I hear people saying this about kids all the time, which is... Um, like your kids grow up really fast, don't miss it. 
and that's one of my biggest things. I'm like, I'm not, I missed the first two years of my son's life because I wasn't mentally there. Now I'm like, I'm going to try and do what I can to spend as much time and do as much cool shit with these kids because at one, at some point they're going to think, my dad's a fucking twerp. My dad's a twerp. Like, he's, I'm not going to be cool at some, I mean, I probably will, but I'm not, at some point my kids are not going to want to hang out with me anymore and not want to come on holiday with me. Like, I hope that's not the case. Um, but at some point, my kids when they're teenagers might be like, eh, dad, eh, no, I don't want to play swing ball in the back garden. No, I don't want to jump on the trampoline with you, dad. <laughs> it's, it's and, and people can and i've not got kids not yet not that i know of um <laughs> and people can overlook that and and again another thing that i challenge people on is what is what is real wealth where you know for you let's say your capabilities are earning 10 million a year yeah. but you're settling on two and spending time with your kids you're way wealthier than most dads given that opportunity because yeah. most men out there would be aiming for the 10 mil yeah. not seeing their kids and and like we, we had this conversation maybe on our affair after you earn a certain amount of money, which isn't a lot, may I add, life doesn't change. No. No. Like, all, that changes, some, all that usually changes is your lifestyle a little bit. You're able where to... you sit on a plane, yeah. how many times you get dinner, yeah. and how fucking obnoxious some of your clothes are. That's it. But the T-shirt, whether it's Gucci or Primark, is pretty much the same. Yeah. The watch still tells the time, whether it's a Garmin or a fucking Rolex. Yeah, yeah f- flying is much nicer when you fly business but then flying to economy fucking ryanair feels that bit worse so it's a double-sided sword and and um it's mad and all people are doing is getting bigger houses bigger walls faster cars at the end of the day it all does the same shit and it's not people tend to spend more as well like i will i work with a guy called john demartini in in january he's fucking incredible guy and he said listen when you earn more money if you're going to raise your lifestyle, i.e. how much you spend, you've got to raise your investments as well because you've got to start. And that was one of my biggest changes in the last year. I had to start making money work for me. And you were talking about that time thing. I think because I've made so many fucking mistakes in my past and almost thrown everything away and almost ended it all, what's interesting now is is that because I'm not prepared to work Wednesdays and because I'm not prepared to work weekends and because I'm not prepared to work every evening, it make, means I have to either settle a little bit for a little bit less, or I have to get more creative with creative with what I do and how I spend my time. It's yeah. one of the reasons I don't reply to every message, and I, and I, and, I, and I do more videos than one-to-one calls, and I do all of that stuff so that I don't have to sacrifice more time. It makes me more creative. It means I have to employ more people to do the shit that I don't want to do. There's a there's an interesting concept which I cover in the book called income satiety, where after a certain income, we actually scientifically speaking struggle to appreciate things as much and uh basically if you remind someone of their wealth before they eat a bar of chocolate they will eat it faster and report it not being as enjoyable as if they weren't reminded of their wealth and i took some i took some magic mushrooms last year and i went to the beach for my mate lord and uh, i sat there and whilst looking out over the bay there was a load of yachts in a kind of like a marina in sydney and then there was the beach and there were some people playing in the water, probably like 18, 19 years old. And there were people out on the yacht, jumping off the yacht. And I go, I bet the people on the beach are looking at the person with the yacht going, fuck, I bet that'd be sick. But I bet the people on the yacht are looking at the beach going, fuck, I missed the days where I was as happy as I could be on the beach. Yeah. And I go, we live in this complete happiness paradox where yeah. I was like, wherever you're going to be, you're going to be jealous of someone else. And yeah. it's not always up. Yeah, It's not always up. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure there have been times where... Uh, you have been uh, envious of the pool you once were back in the day. Dude, one million percent, particularly when I start getting all this shit. 
like I'm like, do you know what? My life was easier when I had this this many followers when I wasn't doing this video, when I didn't do this. I didn't get any death. Put it this way, I didn't get any death threats when I was fucking shit. Do you know what I mean? I, I wasn't worried about the Daily Mail when I was drinking the Weatherspoons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were too busy trying to make your way back to the bar from the toilet. <laughs> the three-mile walk, you get your knee up coming back from the toilet and Weatherspoons. Holy shit, yeah. so James, before I wrap this up, mate, what's, what's, what's fucking next? When you, How's the book coming on? So um, pretty much finished. I've got some finishing touches oh, on it. Dude, you uh, have not fucked around with this thing, eh? Man, I love, I love writing. Uh, I actually started writing it when I got on a plane in February. So I didn't even sign the book deal and I started writing it with a glass of champagne uh, on the plane. Yeah. And the people that I've shown it mm. have all said to me that you're in the wrong job. They're like, you shouldn't be PT and you should be writing. And dude, you know, I, I, I do really love it. And uh, I'll probably continue to do so as long as people continue to buy them. Yeah. But um, at the moment, mate, I'm, I'm just really enjoying, really, ju I'm just very happy at the moment. And that's not linked with, you know, fucking books or whatever. I, you know, Jade, the big tall white friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said to me the other day, he goes, you must be fucking buzzing uh, yeah. about book two and what's coming. And I said to him, I was like, you know what, mate? I don't actually think I could be happier. Yeah. And I said, whatever's on the horizon, I don't feel can make me happier. Yeah. I don't, because I'm already there. I'm already there. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But, and you know, no, I'm not like, Oh, I can't wait for this. Can't wait for this. I'm actually at the moment, just very present and very happy that right now today I'm happy. And I, love it, yeah, bro. I want to do the, I want to continue running the Academy to help people. I want to continue to push the books and meet people. Yeah. Ultimately mate, just happy. So as long you as know what you're, doing, mate, you're aiming forwards, you're aiming yeah. forward. So you still have these ambitions, but you're not just looking that way. You're, you're kind of measuring backwards. It's kind of what yeah. we're going to do. Yeah, and um, before we did this podcast, before before we did this podcast, I sat outside with a little microwavable meal, uh, and I was just looking at the clouds for like ten minutes, and I was like, I really enjoy life. There's, and then a part of my brain goes, check your social media, do this, and I was like, no, so I'm just gonna sit here, I'm just gonna enjoy the, looking at these clouds for a bit, mm -hmm. and I'm I can't believe it took me so long in life to be able to appreciate the small things. Looks book. out on the 28th of November. Where do we get it from? Amazon fucking everywhere people if you're not following me uh, uh don't you worry about it i'll be cramming that book down your throat to give me a bad <laughs> sounds familiar that dude yeah you will <laughs> not miss this fucking thing and bro last one how many people have voted for south shields for the book tour i don't actually know because i delegate that shit you should know me by now <laughs> dude, <laughs> hang on a second i can't let you get off without mentioning this so you guys listen in i sent james a whatsapp saying dude when we can do a podcast and he fucking sent me to his manager. <laughs> Bro, what the fuck happened to you? Uh, I'm actually uh, a diva now, more than I also else. think you're pissed. I think you're, I think you're boozed at the time. Yeah, that, that also sounds like it uh, to me. <laughs> I, was having a, I was having a few drinks the other day. But, um, yeah. but now we will be coming to Newcastle for sure. Hopefully uh, in South Shields. Um, oh, they'll not be South Shields, trust me. Uh, It'll be Newcastle, but we can always go to South Shields for a little roll and a little dust up. And, yeah. Well, I'll make sure we have time for a few jiu-jitsu sessions we didn't I mean, last time. Cool. All right, brother. Listen, thank you for your yes. time, mate. I've, uh, I've loved talking to you. love catching up with you. Have a fucking great rest of your week. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much for having me.